0: We are here today because the Supreme Court is playing out of bounds of the ethics rules for federal judges. Last week, Democratic Senator Sheldon Whitehouse spoke at a hearing on Supreme Court ethics reform. It was about a slew of revelations that several Supreme Court justices did not disclose their potential conflicts of interest.
1: The court has conclusively proven that it cannot police itself. —
0: Justices are supposed to basically do what Senator Whitehouse said, police themselves. And this includes saying whether they've taken any money or gifts from people that might compromise them. Justices Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Chief Justice John Roberts have all recently been the subjects of media reports and controversies.
1: I don't think all uh, of these stories are created equal. I think that some are more uh, dire for the court or more serious for the court to deal with than some others. And some point out not so much what the justice has done wrong, but maybe that the disclosure laws are not strict enough or specific enough for what people want to know about their public officials.
0: That's Bob Barnes. He covers the Supreme Court for The Post. And Bob says that while these stories have varying degrees of seriousness, they all
1: point to a much larger question. It's what do we as citizens expect of public officials, not just on the Supreme Court, but in Congress, uh, in the White House, in the executive branch, where you do have uh, lots of access to powerful people. What kind of disclosure do we want to get from those People uh, so that we can make up our own decisions about how they conduct themselves in office.
0: From the newsroom of the Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Anahat O'Connor. It's Thursday, May 11th. Today, we dig into the details of these conflict of interest issues and we address the question on everyone's mind can the Supreme Court actually police itself? So let's unpack these conflict of interest issues facing the Supreme Court. There have been revelations about Justices Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Chief Justice uh, John Roberts. First, let's start with the one that's gotten the most attention, and by all accounts, what appears to be the most significant, and that's Justice Thomas. Can you walk me through where this
1: began? Well, uh, it began with his friendship with uh, a man named Harlan Crow. Now to this ProPublica, out with new reporting this morning on Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Thomas, having received luxury trips, real estate deals, and gifts from billionaire Harlan Crow, Who is a donor to the GOP and to other conservative causes uh, and is a Texas billionaire. Um, he uh, and his wife are, seem to be very close friends of the Thomases, they say for More than 25 years, so that would be after uh, Clarence Thomas became a justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, They travel together. Private jet flights, luxury yacht cruises. And the travel detailed by the organization ProPublica has really been eye-opening. Lavish getaways to Indonesia, New Zealand. You know, really sort of luxury stuff. A posh lakeside resort in the remote Adirondack Mountains there in New York that's, one, a little at odds with the way Justice Thomas often presents uh, himself as sort of the commoner on Mm -hmm. the uh, Supreme Court, but also just uh, kind of eye-opening for anyone uh, because very few people have access to such travel and vacations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen interviews where Justice Thomas says that he sort of shoes, you know, beaches and fancy vacations and prefers staying in an RV in a Walmart parking lot.
1: That's right. He he has often talked about his travels around the country in an RV with his wife Jenny. Uh, this is very much at odds with that <laughs> uh with that portrayal.
0: Yeah, pretty much the complete opposite of that portrayal. <laughs> so how does he explain all of this?
1: Well, he says that uh, they're close personal friends and that he has not disclosed these trips on his financial disclosure because he was told early on uh, by some of his colleagues that he consulted with that it falls under an exception for personal hospitality. That is, uh, that public officials don't have to detail everything that they do with friends. Um, I I think anyone would think that this is kind of a surprising Uh, amount of personal <laughs> hospitality, um, but that's what the uh, justice says. One of the groups that sort of uh, provides guidance for what judges should report uh, just uh, in the last few months said that uh, they need to report private jet travel. Uh, some would argue that it was always reportable. Uh, these new regulations make it clear that it is and Justice Thomas says he will abide with that in the future,
0: right? And since then, there's been other reporting that's come out as well about the extent of this friendship between Harlan Crow and Justice Thomas.
1: That's right. Yeah, uh, there have been other reports. One that uh, Harlan Crow bought uh, his Justice Thomas's mother's home in Savannah, Georgia, with the idea that that in some point in the future it would become a museum about the justice. Uh, the But the justice's mother continues to live there. There have been reports that he, um, again, by ProPublica, that he paid for private tuition for Thomas's grandnephew, which wasn't reported.
0: Mm. And the Washington Post had some exclusive reporting just last week about some additional questions or conflicts of interest surrounding the Thomases. Can you talk about this?
1: Part of the reason that uh, things have been so controversial with Justice Thomas is because of his wife, Virginia, Jenny Thomas, who is a longtime conservative activist. She was before uh, the two of them married. Uh, she says that they keep her political life and his judicial life uh, separate, but they also, uh, you know, call each other their best friends, and and uh, it seems like all of us in a marriage would— Talk about things at home. The reporting that the Post did said that a group uh, that was controlled by Leonard Leo, he was a a part of this nonprofit, uh, told Kellyanne Conway, who was a pollster, to send a bill to the group um, and that it would be money for Jenny Thomas uh, for consulting services that she had done. But he said specifically, Jenny's name shouldn't be on this. Mm. And uh, which seems like an effort to cover up the fact that there was this connection. Uh, uh, Leonard Leo said in a statement to the post that that's because people are always trying to use things to embarrass the Thomases and invade their privacy. And so he didn't want to contribute to that. But it's very unclear. How anyone would have seen these business records uh, if they had uh, Virginia Thomas's name on it, so the explanation didn't quite uh, seem to fit.
0: Right. I think for the average person, it's it's hard not to to listen to all this and you know think that some you know potential ethical boundaries have been crossed. And I know that Democrats in in Congress and in in the Senate have you know sort of been outraged by this. What has the response been like
1: from Republicans. Well, Republicans have been very uh, protective of uh, Justice Thomas.
0: The Supreme Court and the court system is a whole separate part of our Constitution. And um, the Democrats, it seems to me, spend a lot of time criticizing individual members of the court and going after the court as an institution.
1: They said that maybe there were some things he should have reported, but... uh, The law wasn't particularly clear. Uh, They have said that he is going to make amendments to this financial disclosure, although Thomas himself has not said that. They think that this is an attempt to delegitimize the court now that it has a strong conservative majority and that the decisions that the court has done uh, in the last couple of years Uh, especially overturning the guarantee of abortion and Roe v. Wade, that all of this is an attempt by liberals and they say they're allies in the news media to uh, delegitimize the court, to make it seem as if the court is a political body and one uh, that shouldn't be respected. And
0: now, what do legal scholars have to say about all
1: this? As you might imagine, it's mixed. Some think that uh, that there were sort of clear guidelines that were violated here. Others think that it goes to a bigger problem about the Supreme Court, which is uh, that the disclosure laws uh, leave a lot to be desired. I mean, remember the whole point of disclosure laws is so that the public has a chance to see what kind of favors or gifts or Income that uh, the justice or the judge has received so that they can make up their mind about conflicts of interest. And I think that uh, almost anyone would say that uh, this isn't particularly rigorous, or at least that it couldn't be um, tightened and and made uh, easier for the public to see. For one thing, you know, the justices don't report. Uh, their financial gifts or income for basically a year after it happened. So, you know, they will just be filing their 2022 financial disclosures uh, next month in June of 23. So it's very hard to tell in real time uh, what a justice is doing, where income might be coming from, uh, whether the justice has a conflict. And so... That's one way uh, in which, uh, you know, the financial disclosure doesn't seem to work particularly well.
0: Let's move on to Justices Gorsuch and Roberts. Why are they being implicated in this news about Supreme Court justices having conflicts of interest? Let's start with Gorsuch.
1: Well, Justice Gorsuch uh, sold some land in Colorado. He owned it along with other people. They put the land up for sale on the market. It was bought by the head of a law firm that occasionally has cases before the Supreme Court. And on his disclosure, he disclosed selling the land and the money that he got from that sale, but not who the buyer was. It's very unclear, I think, that he needed to do that, that it was required of him to put down who the buyer was. But that raises the question of, should he have been? Uh, Do we want to know who is making these kind of uh, purchases from a justice? And so that's, I think, a case of not really whether Justice Gorsuch did what he was supposed to under the law, Mm -hmm. but does the law go far enough in making some requirements?
0: And now what about the Chief Justice, Justice Roberts?
1: Uh, The Chief Justice's wife, Jane Roberts, uh, is a lawyer. Uh, She was a partner at a law firm when he uh, joined the Supreme Court. Uh, She changed her law practice because uh, she thought that there would be conflicts or could be conflicts between uh, some of the work she did and some of the Mm -hmm. work that came before the Supreme Court. And she became a a headhunter, basically, for uh, law firms where she tries to sort of arrange lawyers who want to leave one firm and go to another firm. She helps arrange those deals. She makes a commission. Because of it, again, the chief justice has always disclosed that she gets income from this practice and names her employer, Um, but, you know, it's not required that you name all of your spouse's clients. So the question there is you don't really know who uh, Jane Roberts is representing or who she is putting together with another law firm. And, you know, these uh, disclosure laws do not call for the amount of money that the spouse makes, only that they are employed and who the employer is.
0: For both of these situations, critics are saying that Roberts and Gorsuch should have more fully disclosed these financial dealings, which leads me to wonder, what exactly are the disclosure or conflict of interest requirements that the justices are supposed to follow?
1: In general, um, they're supposed to report income, uh, stock ownership, uh, you know, where does their money come from, basically. Um, The justices are allowed to earn some outside income. It's usually from teaching at a law school, and sometimes those turn into fairly cushy summer programs in a very nice place like Italy uh, in (laughs) which uh, the justice will teach a course. Um, It is restricted to a certain percentage of uh, the justice's salary. Can't go beyond that. If it goes beyond that or if they receive more money for speaking, they need to um, donate it to charity or do something else with it. There is an exception for books. Uh, if a justice writes a book, um, they uh, are entitled to the money that they make from that book, and that has been the most lucrative form of outside uh, income for the justices. Justice Sotomayor has made, I think, more than $3 million mm-hmm. on the books uh, that she has written. She wrote a very popular uh, autobiography. Um, and she has written children's books uh, and books for uh, young adults. Justice Thomas wrote a, an autobiography. And both of those autobiographies were well-received and sold very well.
0: These conflicts of interest have raised so many questions, but have we seen any impact? Or, or how does this matter for the actual cases before the court?
1: Well, if we wanted to take Justice Thomas uh, as an example, for instance, uh, you know, Harlan – he says that Harlan Crow doesn't have any uh, business before the court and that he would recuse himself uh, if he did. But, you know, it raises questions, um, especially uh, Jenny Thomas and her conservative activism. You know, she's very outspoken about uh, issues that come before the court, such as Obamacare. Uh, and with this uh, last election, she was very much uh, among those who thought that there were problems with the election. She urged the White House uh, in emails and text messages, not to give up the fight, not to give in, not to concede.
0: The text messages from Ginny Thomas obtained by the January 6th Select Committee. In one, Thomas writing, quote, help this great president stand firm, Mark. Biden and the left
1: is attempting the greatest heist of our history. At the same time that Justice Thomas and the rest of the court were hearing uh, cases Uh, involving that. Now, the court didn't take up those cases. Uh, President Trump really struck out in trying to get the Supreme Court to intervene in the election. Uh, But there was also a case in which the question was about uh, documents and whether certain documents should be turned over to the January 6th committee. Uh, Justice Thomas was the only member of the court who uh, said that he would have granted Trump's request to withhold uh, those documents from the January 6th committee. And uh, after it became apparent of Jenny Thomas's role uh, in the election, uh, there were many who said that uh, Justice Thomas should have recused himself from that case and not taken uh, part in it.
0: So, Bob, it sounds like there are are actually some rules that the justices have to follow, but who's actually enforcing these rules?
1: Well, there is a committee of judges um, uh, that uh, looks at the financial disclosures and supposedly tells the justices when they think that they're incomplete, so uh, some of the requests from Congress for an investigation that they have sent to the Chief Justice, the Chief Justice has referred that to this committee. And we haven't really received anything. But remember, not just Supreme Court justices, but all federal judges are appointed for life or, as the Constitution says, for good behavior, (laughs) meaning that the only way to really uh, uh, do anything about them is to impeach them, Mm -hmm. which is uh, very difficult and happens very, very rarely. And so it is more of, you know, counting on the judges and the justices to do it on their own.
0: After the break, we tackle what it would take for the nation's highest court to clean up its thorny ethical issues. We'll be right back. Now, Bob, it sounds like in response to all of this controversy, the Thomas issue in particular, there are now some new financial disclosure requirements that went into effect in March. Can you talk about those changes? What's going to happen here?
1: Well, those were uh, basically the ones about private jet travel and a few other um, uh, sort of, if not changes to the rules. It's sort of debated whether or not there was always something that should be reportable. Uh, the committee made it clear that they are reportable now. And so that will be a, a change uh, when we see the next financial disclosures, I, I guess, although that may not be for a while. But those are, you know, fairly modest things. Um, you know, what the Congress wants the Supreme Court to do is to come up with its own very specific code of ethics. They say it's the only court that doesn't have one, um, and that is true. Uh, And the justices have for years uh, been trying to come up with one. And they say uh, that it is difficult. They say that uh, their court is unlike any of the lower court's. Uh, And that uh, there are some very tough issues that they haven't figured out yet. They say they comply with and consult lots of other ethical guidelines and with each other and that it's not necessary. But, you know, it seems clear that this sort of trust me uh, attitude that the justices have is not going over very well, especially with Congress and, and I would say with the public, too.
0: Now, Bob, you mentioned earlier, uh, you brought up the word impeachment. Um, That leads me to wonder, what are the ramifications for justices who break uh, the rules? Um, Can Congress kick them out? Uh, Can they be impeached? How would that actually work?
1: They can be impeached just as the president can be impeached, but we've seen how difficult that can be, uh, right? Um,
0: (laughs) That's putting it lightly.
1: (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of appetite Uh, you know, to do that. As we talked about, there's a very partisan divide here uh, on this issue in Congress.
0: Mm. And now speaking of Congress, uh, Congress actually tried to at least hold a hearing about all of this, right? Did
1: anything come out of that? The Senate Judiciary Committee uh, asked Chief Justice Roberts to come and speak to them. He uh, declined, politely, he said. Um, Mm -hmm. And he said that Basically, the head of one branch of government doesn't uh, go very easily to another branch of government to testify. And uh, the chief justice is very protective of the federal judiciary. He's not the chief justice of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will be quick to remind you. He is the chief justice of the United States, Hmm. meaning that he represents all of the federal judiciary. Uh, And he said that it's a separation of powers problem for him to come and testify. Now, you know, uh, you could certainly debate that, but that's what he says. Um, And instead of coming to the hearing, uh, he sent over a document that was signed by all nine of the justices that talk about the various laws and canons and guidelines that they say that they uh, comply with when they think about conflicts of interest and ethical behavior. But it was basically a recycled document, something that the court has mm. always said it had done. There was nothing new in it, and it did not satisfy anyone, really.
0: It makes me wonder, um, you know, with all this controversy, what do legal scholars or experts suggest as possible solutions? Um, What are some of the suggestions they have? Um, Are there ideas for remaking the rules for justices, or are there smaller practical fixes that could be implemented?
1: You know, the two things that you hear the most about are uh, expanding the court or limiting uh, the terms of the justices. Um, It would be easy, not easy, but it would certainly be within Congress's power to Uh, changed the number of uh, justices on the Supreme Court. That has happened uh, throughout history. It's gotten a little bigger. It's gotten a little smaller. It's been nine for more than a century. Um, But, you know, you get into that, and it's like, okay, if the Democrats, when they have control of government... Expand the uh, number of justices on the Supreme Court. Then, when Republicans have control, they will do it too, so that mm-hmm. they can appoint more members. Um, that is it is a you know a serious topic that people talk about a lot, but I, I think it would be impossible to do in this era of a divided Congress like we have uh, now, and. Uh, changing the terms of the uh, justices. There is a lot of interest in that. It seems very popular. One idea would be that they would serve for 18 years, which hmm. would, in uh, once it was fully operational, would mean that a president gets to, every president would get to appoint or nominate a Supreme Court justice rather hmm. than the system we have now, which is sort of it all depends.
0: Yeah, that would be um, a remarkable
1: change. But that would seem, uh, by some at least, think that that would require a constitutional amendment. Not all think that, but mm-hmm. I think a lot do, and those are extremely uh, difficult to make happen. I think every one of the justices would tell you that the court's reputation is incredibly important, Um You know, the court doesn't have any way to enforce its decisions, except that the other branches of government accept them and the people accept them. And so if the court uh, loses that legitimacy, if it loses that respect, um, then it could lose its ability to have its opinions obeyed.
0: Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Bob Barnes covers the Supreme Court for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Ariel Plotnick and edited by Rena Flores. It was mixed by Sean Carter. And for our listeners, I have a request. We're doing an episode on loneliness and the profound public health threat it poses. We want to hear from you. If you have a personal story that you want to share, send a voice memo to postreports at washpost.com with your name and your story. I'm Anahad O'Connor. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.